Hello everyone and welcome to Measure Up, where I talk about how diet culture uses pop culture to seep into our psyche and debunk diet culture BS. My name is Paige and I'm your host and thank you guys all so much for listening to my first episode. I've been wanting to create some sort of content to discuss diet culture and everything that goes along with it for quite a while now. And I realized not only did I need an outlet besides the void that is Twitter to scream about it in, but the world really needs it too. I, like many people I know, have struggled on and off with body image and disordered eating and eating disorders since I was a tween. I think a lot of what caused my struggle was what was being shown to me on TV, on the internet, on TV shows, and what I was hearing in music in terms of what women are quote unquote supposed to look like when I was growing up. So I'm a 90s baby. I was a tween in the early 2000s, the time of low-rise jeans, pop punk, lean cuisine, string bikinis, MySpace, and Tumblr. And you put all those things together, and it's not really a recipe for great mental health at all. I aspired to look like the people I looked up to in the media. Avril Lavigne, Hilary Duff, the Olsen twins, and Haley Williams of Paramore. What all these women have in common is that they're all conventionally thin. Now, there's nothing wrong with that in itself. There's nothing wrong with being conventionally thin. I'm putting that out there now. I feel like I need to say that. There's nothing wrong with that. However, when thin body types are the only body types that you're exposed to growing up, you're going to think it's abnormal to not look like that, especially if that's what you're seeing in your formative years. Now, I have never been a conventionally thin person. Except for during very short periods of time when I was crash dieting and it wasn't sustainable for me at all because I was counting points or counting calories and obsessively working out all the time and it just was not good for my mental state and that wasn't a weight that I could sustain on a regular basis without it really hurting my mental health. But um... I've spent most of my life so far trying to make myself smaller and feeling guilty because I couldn't stay smaller. I've been a yo-yo dieter since I was about 13. I've done juice cleanses, Weight Watchers. At one point in my teens, I went to weight loss camp. However, I only lasted two days there and then I begged to come home. But that's beside the point. (laughs) I did just about everything I possibly could to make myself thin, to make myself smaller, to take up less space. This all led to a mental state where I was terrified of food and I couldn't look at myself in the mirror without crying. And it eventually got so bad, it got to the point where it had completely taken over my everyday life. My self-esteem was bad, my mental health was deteriorating, it just, it was not good. And my happiness was directly connected to my thinness, to how small I could be, to how small I was, or how big I was. Yet at the same time, I used food for comfort to soothe the pain that hating myself had caused. It was a really bad, vicious cycle of trying to eat less, avoid bad foods, and exercise myself smaller, and then failing to reach my goals and eating my feelings because of that. I've lost and gained weight so many times that at this point I've lost count. At 19, I was diagnosed with binge eating disorder and went into intensive outpatient treatment for the first time. And that is when my journey of trying to heal my relationship with food and with my body began. I'll be 26 next month. It's been seven years since my eating disorder diagnosis. And I'm only finally at a place where I feel like I can truly say that I'm starting to heal, that I'm starting to accept my body and even like it and just have more confidence than I ever have. And my confidence is not 
correlated or related to my size or my body or what I'm eating and what I'm not eating and if I'm exercising enough. However, it took me seven years from when I started this journey to get to a place where I feel like I'm finally starting to unlearn all of the diet culture bullshit that I've been taught my entire life. So diet culture to me is one of the worst evils because it will ruin your life without you even realizing. It takes over and you won't even notice until you hit rock bottom. It will think for you. It'll make choices for you. And sometimes it will even speak for you and you won't notice unless you're looking for it. And that is why I decided to create this podcast because I want to dissect diet culture and talk about it and analyze it so it can't hurt us anymore. The more you know about something, the more knowledge you have, the less power it can have over you. And I want to help other people who are also struggling with body image and eating disorders and battling with food to not struggle as much as I did or to help them climb up that hill so they can become at peace with their body. And I really hope that this podcast can help at least one other person to do that, to make peace with their bodies and with their mind and to be happy and mentally healthy. So having said that, every episode I'm going to talk about a specific area of media and pop culture and discuss how diet culture has used pop culture to manipulate us. One thing I've noticed is the biggest way that diet culture gets into our heads is through the things that we watch and hear and see every day, which in 2021 is the media and pop culture. So social media, music, TV, movies, books, etc. That is how diet culture gets into our heads. And I want to ask the question, how did we let something so toxic become so normal? I'll give you an example. I'm sure you've seen it if you're on TikTok or Instagram, but recently, a couple of months ago, I think it was, there were people that were putting cream cheese and that Trader Joe's everything but the bagel seasoning on like a pepper and eating it like a bagel and being like, oh my God, it's so good. And it was kind of marketed by most people as keto-friendly lunch or low-carb or this or that. So... We're going to ask questions like, is this just a crazy trend or is this rooted in diet culture? Let's kind of take that apart. And sure, if you really enjoy that, like go ahead and keep eating it. But don't eat it because you feel like you can't have a regular bagel, you know? Another example, when did butter become our enemy? Like when did we start being terrified of a condiment? essentially like let's let's talk about that let's analyze that let's look at the root cause i think with butter it was like the whole fat free craze in the early 2000s and that's when like the i can't believe it's not butter spray became a thing and all that what in god's name made us think that drinking nothing but green smoothies for a week was good for us and would it even be a thing if celebrities like gwyneth paltrow weren't pushing it as healthy when are we going to admit that we live in a fat-phobic society where our skin suits affect our mental health and our mood and we judge other people for theirs? 
So kind of jumping off my comment about the whole like green juice craze and Gwyneth Paltrow and all that, it leads me into the topic that we're going to discuss today, which is diet culture and social media. If I remember correctly, Gwyneth Paltrow started her blog Goop in the early 2000s and eventually Goop became like a whole company and enterprise where she sells books and health food products. And that's kind of where the health craze and the fitspo craze on the internet started. Clean eating, being healthy, you know, food is in whole food is the devil and blah 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 blah. So let's go to the beginning of all that. Since the early 2000s, social media has evolved significantly from when it was just MySpace and Tumblr. Not that those were the healthiest platforms to begin with, but, you know, I'd argue that the internet is even worse for mental health now. It's almost as if diet culture and the internet, in a way, have kind of become enmeshed. Diet culture wouldn't be what it is today without the internet. You cannot even open one social media platform, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or TikTok or Instagram, without being inundated with the latest diet trend or a suedo nutrition info or fitspo pictures or my absolute least favorite thing on the planet, diet and nutrition company ads. Not only is all of this extremely triggering for people with pre-existing body image issues, but younger people, the younger generation who spend so much time on social media, even more time than my generation, the millennials did and still do, they don't stand a chance against diet culture. It already has its claws in them. I want to read you guys some statistics from ANAD, which is the National Association of Anorexia Nervosa and Associated Disorders. Eating disorders affect at least 9% of the population worldwide. 9% of the United States population, or 28.8 million Americans, will have an eating disorder in their lifetime. Eating disorders are among the deadliest mental illness, second only to opioid overdoses. Now, the statistics I just read off are just the general statistics. Now I'm going to read you the statistics specifically for children and young adults. 42% of first through third grade girls already say that they want to be thinner. 81% of 10-year-old children say that they are afraid of being fat. 46% of 9 to 11-year-old girls say they sometimes or very often want to be on diets. 35 to 57% of adolescent girls engage in crash dieting, fasting, self-induced vomiting, diet pills, or laxatives. In a college campus survey, 91% of women admitted to controlling their weight through dieting. All of the demographics I just mentioned in the adolescent and young adult category are extremely active on social media. Even the first through third graders. I've seen them on YouTube, I've seen them on Instagram, I've seen them on TikTok. The age restrictions I know are there, but they don't stop these kids. They're smart. They know they can lie about their age. At this point, third graders all have phones. First graders have iPads. They all have access to social media. And they know how to use it. They're smart. This is the iPad baby generation we're talking about. They've had a screen in front of their face since they were six months to a year old. 
So if all the age groups I just mentioned are on social media, a place where diet culture runs rampant, that means that they're all at risk for being influenced by diet culture. So for example, if you're an 11 year old scrolling through Instagram and most of what you see is Photoshop pictures of women in teens and workout clothing telling you to drink a green smoothie and try intermittent fasting, what do you think that 11 year old is going to wanna do? When I was 11 years old, I wanted more than anything to be just like the teens and young adults I looked up to, who just so happened to be people in the media, my favorite musicians, my favorite, you know, TV and movie stars, people in Disney Channel shows. So when I was 11, if someone like, let's say, Haley Williams, who was and still is one of my favorite musicians, were to have gotten on Instagram and said, hey, try intermittent fasting in this green smoothie, it works great for me, I would have done it in a heartbeat because I would have given anything to look and be like Haley Williams. I mean, Haley Williams has never done anything like that, and I don't think she would, but that's neither here nor there. The point I'm trying to make is that adolescents are really impressionable. So if you're a teen or a tween today in 2021, your favorite musician and your favorite TV star are most likely also influencers on social media. And they're most likely getting paid crazy amounts of money to promote things from fitness companies and diet companies on social media because they have crazy amounts of followers. And these companies know that if they get these celebrities to promote to their audience, they're going to sell more products. And a lot of the followers of these celebrities are going to listen to them because they look up to them. So if the celebrity says, hey, try intermittent fasting in this green smoothie, they're going to try it. Because what the audience is hearing is, hey, try intermittent fasting in this green smoothie. If you take it, if you use it, you're going to look and feel like me and I'm fabulous. So if you use it too, you'll be fabulous too. Adolescents are extremely impressionable. It's their formative years. They're going through puberty. They feel awkward, they feel like they're not cool, and they just want to fit in. So they're going to look up to and mimic the people that they admire. I feel like it's important for me to add that I am not specifically blaming any particular influencers or celebrities. And it's not influencers' and celebrities' responsibilities to be role models to kids. What I am simply saying is that the diet industry uses influencers and celebrities to sell diet culture. And it does that by either paying them, like a company pays them to promote their product to their mass amount of followers, or they feed into the celebrity influencers insecurities and the celebrity or the influencer really believes in the product because they believe that they're not worthy and they don't like their body and they have a low self-esteem so it's not the celebrities that need to be blamed here it's diet culture it's the diet industry it's the companies it's the companies and the concepts and the pseudo science and the pseudo nutrition that these companies are selling that we should be pissed at, that I am pissed at. Not the people that the companies are taking advantage of. A great recent example of pseudo nutrition that has been being thrown around on the internet is this nature cereal trend that recently went viral on TikTok and Instagram. 
If you haven't heard of it, people are taking a bunch of fruit and throwing it in a bowl with ice and coconut water and eating it with a spoon like it's cereal. And they're calling it nature cereal. Because, you know, fruit comes from nature, I guess, and so does coconut water. I'm not really sure. I don't get it, but yeah. So on surface level, this nature cereal trend just seems kind of weird, right? It's like, why not just eat a fruit salad? Why are you putting coconut water and ice in it? But at the same time, when I, because I was introduced to this trend through a TikTok, my first thought was, oh, cool, a low-calorie, all-natural cereal, I'll have to try that. That was my eating disorder voice talking, like, speaking its way back up. But I've been dealing with that voice for a long time, so it was an immediate red flag for me to kind of hear myself think that. So I had to take a step back and be like, whoa, okay, what's going on here? Stuff like this I know can be really triggering for some people, but for me, because I've been dealing with this for a long time, it's not as triggering as it used to be. It's still triggering, but I was able to kind of go back and rewatch the TikTok video to kind of be like, okay, what's going on here? Why is this making me think like this? The girl who posted the specific nature cereal video that I happened to watch was saying things like healthy and all natural and good for you and something like, oh my God, you have to try this healthy breakfast. Sure, maybe fruit with coconut water is delicious. It does sound like it might be refreshing, especially in the summer, like a great snack by the pool or whatnot. But let's get one thing straight. That is not breakfast. This is not a balanced breakfast. That's not gonna fill you up. It's just fruit with coconut water. Also, I need to add, is granola not natural? It's literally a grain from nature and a cereal. And it's packed with nutrients and fiber and sometimes even protein. You can even add some fruit to that. I actually eat that for breakfast sometimes with some yogurt. I mean, I don't know if I would do coconut water with that, but it might be good with coconut milk. That's a balanced breakfast. You've got your fats, you've got your starches, you've got your proteins. Like, that's going to keep you full for the day. Fruit with coconut water and ice isn't. It could add to a breakfast, but that's not a full breakfast. I could sit here and unpack this trend all day. Honestly, I don't think it necessarily started from a malicious place. I really don't. In fact, from what I understand, it was Lizzo, the musician Lizzo, who started this trend, or at least made it popular. Now, let's get one thing straight. I love Lizzo. I think she's awesome. In no way am I blaming her for this trend at all. Lizzo is amazing. She's actually into intuitive eating. She loves herself and her body. She promotes body love, body positivity, all that. She's an incredible person. However, when I originally posted, I think it was on Facebook, about how problematic I thought this nature cereal trend is, people came at me in my comments with, don't criticize Lizzo, come on, she gets enough hate. Which, they're right, she does get enough hate. But I never once mentioned Lizzo in my post. In fact, I didn't learn she started the trend until I read the comments on that post. And that's actually when I went back and I watched her video. And what I noticed about her video is the way she was talking about nature cereal was totally harmless. 
she was talking about it in a really intuitive way. She was like, it's so good, y'all. You have to try this. Yum. It's a delicious snack. It's so refreshing. Kind of like what I thought about it. Like, oh, this is weird, but maybe it could be good kind of thing. It was as harmless as that feta pasta trend that was on TikTok recently. I know I'm going on a little bit of a rant about this, but I just feel like I need to say that Lizzo is not to blame for this trend. and I don't want anyone to think that I'm ragging on her. That girl gets enough hate as a black woman in a larger size body at the height of pop culture. And she's amazing. She doesn't deserve any of the hate she gets. And I love her. Anyway, back to the purpose of what I was saying. My beef is with the people and the marketers who decided to take what could have been an innocent and refreshing summer trend and turn it into a health food. Nature cereal, the way it has been talked about and the rhetoric behind it, is something I would have eaten when I was on Weight Watchers. <laughs> I was on Weight Watchers a couple of times when I was in my early to mid-teens. And I would have eaten it because if I remember the point system correctly, I think it would have been no points. And I'm sorry to talk about, I, I try not to talk about like, diet systems and numbers and anything that might be triggering but I do think that this is an important point to make because it's kind of terrifying that I remember all this stuff about Weight Watchers and the point system all these years later <laughs> but anyway I think this is important to talk about so yeah I would have eaten this when I was on Weight Watchers because it probably would have been zero to no points and I would have eaten this for breakfast on a day where like I knew that I was going out to a big dinner with my family and I wanted to kind of eat whatever I wanted for dinner but also didn't want the guilt of going over my points or like if I was going to some sort of party where I knew there was going to be a lot of food and I knew I was going to want to binge on that food I would have wanted to have as many points possible to do that so I could binge and not feel guilty. So yeah, I would have wanted to eat something for breakfast that had little to no points because it was hard for me to not eat breakfast because, you know, I'd be hungry in the morning, but I'd want to find a way to like trick myself into thinking I was eating but not really eating a lot of points. So nature cereal would have been perfect because it would be getting something in my body, but you know it was little to no calories or points and, and at the end of the day it probably wouldn't have filled me up at all but that didn't matter to me what mattered to me was saving my points so I could eat whatever I wanted later in the day so it was worth it to me to feel starving until then and that's what eating disorders do to the brain like looking back that was so not normal that was not a normal way to think and that's part of the reason why this trend set alarms off into my head because it brought me back into a place in my mind when I used to think like that and that just it's not a healthy way to think and that's also why other creators and people on the internet are saying hey this trend is really really concerning like to people who haven't struggled with eating disorders and disordered eating it seems innocent but it's not and like Things like this with nature cereal are how it starts or how people can get into disordered eating and eating disorders and especially if they're impressionable like 11 or 12 like we were talking about earlier.
The nature cereal trend is all over social media right now. Though I do think it's dying down a little bit, but there's always some other health trend right around the corner that goes viral on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and all of those. Whether it be an appetite suppressing lollipop, waist trainers that crush your rib cage, metabolism boosting teas, or whatever the next trend or marketing campaign is to take over social media, there's always something else. So we always have to stay vigilant. I mean, don't stop your kids and loved ones and friends from going on social media. I'm not saying we need to censor things or like control what our kids look at and watch, but we need to stay vigilant ourselves. We need to kind of know quote unquote what's trending and what these viral health trends and fitspiration things are that are happening so we can have nuanced conversations about it especially with people who are younger than us. It's important for us to share our experiences with them and let them know that we aren't trying to tell them what to do, that we just care. Because diet culture is everywhere, but it's especially concentrated on the internet, and we need to be hyper-aware and vigilant so it can't hurt us and our loved ones. Thank you all so much for listening to the first episode of Measure Up. If you want, you can follow me on Instagram at PageRabin, that's at P-A-I-G-E-R-A-B-I-N. I'm always posting anti-diet info and resources there, and I'll also be posting updates about the podcast on there as well. I really hope you guys have enjoyed the first episode. I hope it wasn't too rambly. I'm still figuring this all out. Please feel free to DM me on Instagram with any comments. I love having conversations about this stuff with people, and I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. I hope you have a great rest of your day or evening, and please remember that you don't have to measure up to anyone or anybody.